Welcome to the Architect of Change Show with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman and Associates. Now here's Connie. Hi, I'm Connie Whitman, your host, and you're listening to Architect of Change on webtalkradio.net. Thanks so much for joining me again this week. So my motivational quote for today is by Dr. Jay Russo, and it says, Do keep an ear out for the inaudible and mysterious sounds of silence. There's a lot happening there, too, perhaps more than written expression can capture. And what makes these sounds most mysterious and healing is that it's never quite, quite clear where they are coming from. I had to think about this quote for a few minutes because really in the silence comes the answer, but how? So we are all seeking uh, change, a better life, filled with better health. What does this mean to you? How do we accomplish this and change ourselves for the better at the end of whatever process we go through? Which process or teachings do you follow? What's right for you? Where is the silence leading me, and is this the correct course? Have you asked yourself any of these questions or perhaps have asked them with frequency? Uh, well, today my guest, Paolo Parpato, is going to enlighten us. Paolo is an acupuncturist, speaker, healer, and teaches a free meditation class at Bridge Acupuncture in Doylestown, PA. He will teach um, us about East Asian medicine, yin and yang, what does this really mean, the microcosm and macrocosm, what? Paolo is going to discuss that, that and all of the, these answers we seek are actually already within us. Yes, you heard me. All of the answers we seek are already within us in that silence. Let's open our minds and learn how we are a microcosm of the cosmos and how this connection affects all of us. This space, uh, this spaceship is launching into the cosmos and seeking answers. Are you buckled up and ready for this cosmic ride? So, Paolo, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Connie. And see, I've made you an astronaut in my little intro. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm very excited because I think that all of the topics that you, we, you and I had discussed, you know, mostly via email, and you've intrigued me, so I'm sure that the listeners will be equally intrigued. So before we really dive in, you know, we're all familiar with the little black and white symbol and, and the term yin and yang. But can you give us a working definition that we can all use as to what that actually means or what that symbol means? Yeah, as, as simple as it, it is, sometimes I feel like that might be the hardest one for me. But I feel that the symbol is actually, um, it kind of tells you everything, you know, because so the yin is the black and the white is the, the yang. Um and so when you look at that, you can look at everything being a yin-yang version of each other, especially what we, you know, in this world of Earth, everything has a, a duality. You know, there's an up and there's a down. Mm -hmm. So when we, look at, when we look at it, and the, the beautiful thing that I love about East Asian medicine is that however complicated something may seem, you can always break it down to yin and yang. And the way I look at yin and yang is um, the yang always being more of an action or, and it's always more lighter, where uh, yin is always seems to be a little bit more heavier. So in this instance, we could say, you know, the soil of the earth would be yang, where the air would be, I mean the yin, I'm sorry, and the air would be the, the, um, the yang. And so everything can uh, be a yin-yang version of each other. So, um, you know, female and male. So a female is the yin and male is the yang. So even when we look at that in terms of reproduction, it's the, the man that brings the, the action, which is, you know, the sperm going into the egg and the egg sure. being the very, the yin, you know, it's the, it's the mother earth, you know, so, um, you, and you need both to create something. And that's why I think it's so beautiful is that um, you can't have one without the other. And the the beautiful shape of the yin and yang is that they're always changing into each other. Yes. And within each of them, you know, within within the yin, there's always the yang. And within the yang, there's always the yin. So when when I look at the yin and yang, when I first started learning about yin and yang, to me was this duality. But I, I think for myself at least, and, you know, things are always changing, um, even beliefs, you know, so as, as, I, as I get older and as I keep on, you know, observing myself, my interior world as, even, as, as well as the world around me, I started to feel that there really is no separation between the two. 
you know, and in fact, the only reason why we see yin and yang as a, a duality is because we perceive it that way. In reality, it is just one thing moving together. And then it's, it's us that separate it and say, this is yin and this is yang. You know, so but that's just really, us having really to compartmentalize, low. but that's just us compartmentalizing information for us to better understand what the value is or what the, the uh, perceived intention is of the yin and yang. Exactly. So sometimes I feel the best way to look at things, and I think the very difficult thing, the way to look at things is to look at it as yin and yang just being one thing. You know, and, um, you know I, I always loved... Um, I always loved, you know, growing up, I always loved studying different religions and stuff like that. And in uh, the Gospel of Thomas, one of the Gnostic uh, Gospels, I love that um, when Jesus says, you know, before everything was one, he goes, there was one, and then you became two. And now what will you do? You know, and he, and he talks a lot about that. And, and that makes me think of, so maybe the intellectual mind is maybe the yin, and maybe the subconscious mind is maybe the yang. And how do we bring those together? And to me, that's very important because, you know, I'm in the, in the world of I want to help people. I want to heal people. And I feel, to me, I feel um, when I simplify things in yin and yang, I see that a lot of, lot of, a lot of healing comes from making those two work together again. Do you feel that you have been able to see the yin and yang as one now do you do you instead of the duality do you now see it as joint co-joins or or co-movement i think you said movement so co-movement well um i do and i you, don't you yeah, know like i do for, for example when i when i go outside and i see the tree and i see the air you know or, or um you know i see i see different things my my intellectual mind is still always telling me that I'm seeing things uh, and and I'm labeling them the way I was taught to label them. You know, like, sure. okay, I see that, that's tree. When I see this, this is wind. When I see this, this is flower. But if you, for instance, when you look at, if I take my son and we go outside, you know, it's only now that he's starting to label things. You know, but ah. even in the labeling, even in the labeling of things, he still, it doesn't matter. You know, it, it, and that's what's so beautiful uh, about a, a child is because they're still one. It's there's no separation yet. So, um, for how me, how old I always, is your son? How old is your he, son? He's almost two. He's almost two. Yeah. So at that age, there's such a purity and innocence that it's almost like we haven't had the opportunity to program him to label the tree, the wind. So he still sees it as the one versus the duality. Did I understand exactly. that correctly? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, so we, I, in, we need to go opinion, back to our innocence. Right. So in my opinion, I kind of feel like, and then we grow to label things. Sure. And, then, <laughs> and then we spend another part of our life trying to let go of those labels. Isn't that the truth? We learn it, and then we want to unlearn it so that we yeah, can be healed. Yeah, then we want to unlearn it. And, <laughs> and, and, you know, and going back to healing, um, I feel like it's true. I feel when I see people going through these beautiful and huge transitions in their life, um, you know, of change, a lot of it is never when they're getting well, what we would call well, it's never that they're adding on something. It's almost they're always letting go of something. Isn't you know, that interesting? So, and to so, me, I feel like that's beautiful, and I and I feel a way to do that is honestly just let's go back to a state of being like a little child. Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying like you know we got to dress up in diapers or you know act uh, act like that, but just <laughs> open our eyes and see the world as a child. And the truth is, is that's the way we used to see the world. So it's in there somewhere. It's in there. Sure. We we've buried it. We've taught it to not be there now right, let me ask you exactly. a question your your son okay he's two are right. you are you appreciating the yin and the yang for, or yang yang you said yin and yang sorry the yin and yang are you appreciating it now through the child's eyes again even more clearly for you since you've had the child or there was no difference before um, or after well i think for, for my speaking for myself i feel my whole life has been trying to um, look at myself, you know, uh, um, why, I don't know, who knows why I was always like that. But so from that point of view, there's always been these times, um, where I felt those labels were dropped, but then they will come back again, you know, sure. and sometimes it was only for, for like a little, little instant, but those instants last because it'll change you because it'll be like, it, 
it makes you feel like, okay, something is different. You know, but the yeah. beauty of having my son is, you know, for instance, if I come home and I'm playing with him, sometimes I'm totally, I'm not there 100%, 100% there with him. You know, he's playing and I'm there almost like my body's there, but my mind is I'm thinking about work, I'm thinking about something else. But then I catch myself because of him. So and he grounds not, you. He brings you back. Yeah, he, he, yeah, he brings me back to this, this very moment. And then the you start to let go of everything, and you're just there. And it's funny because once you do that, um, you know, even the way they pl- he plays games, it's not like he plays games and he's playing house or he's playing with, you know, he's playing a game of trucks, like he's going to be the trucker or anything like that because he doesn't have an idea of this yet. So right now the dinosaur and the truck play together. You know, there, yes. there's no difference. And no boundaries. No boundaries, exactly. And when you enter into that world, to me, it's like so beautiful because it's so stress-free. You know, anything goes. Everything is so beautiful and pure, you know, and it's so nonviolent because there is no violence because everything is so pure. You yeah, know, it's just a beautiful It's untouched. It's untouched. Now, a couple of, couple of observations. First, you know, you being a guy, you keep using the word beauty, pure. I I'm loving listening to that because I think that beauty is all around us. And and like you're saying, the simplest thing, the beauty of watching this child play and him ground without even realizing it, bringing you back to the present because the purity and the angelicness of just his innocence of playing with the, with the dinosaur and the truck that they're, you know, they're the same thing, you know, they're playing with each other. The other thing you just made me think of when um, my first nephew, he's now going for his Ph.D. at uh, University of Delaware but it, for computer science, my brilliant nephew, Robbie. But he, um, when he was little, he was the first one in the family, our first you know, nephew, grandson, all of those things. And my sister lived local to me. So I remember run, driving home like a crazy person so that I could get to the house and see him, and no matter how bad my day, no matter how crappy the weather was, no matter how anxious I was, I'd walk in, he'd look at me, put his arms up, I'd pick him up, hug, kiss him, love him up, and then I would sit on the floor and play and do whatever he wanted. It was all about him. And I would tell my sister, go away now, he's mine. (laughs) And in that moment, every time I'd come home from work, the world was right. Just the, the way, the way, just the, the whole world was was perfect and beautiful and easy, and there was no stress. So I love that you realize that with your two year old because they don't stay true for a long Palo. Now he's twenty five or something, you know. Yeah, but I, I know. Distinctly, I distinctly, I distinctly remember that memory, but I distinctly remember that feeling of just peace, nirvana. It was nirvana for me that, you know, you could breathe and you can just be. And, and you know, with work and, and life and, and you, you know, I didn't have children at the time, but we run, run, run and the children really do ground us, which is, is a beautiful thing. I don't know that people look at their kids that way, especially working moms and dads who are like you said, running and then you're playing with them, but you're thinking about, I have to get dinner on the table and tomorrow I better stop at the food store. And, oh my goodness, I forgot to send that email out today to my boss, whatever it is that we're not present. And, and we see the child crying and whining as, oh my God, just let them stop instead of being present with why is the child crying? You know, I, I just, I think that was a beautiful thing that you said. And I just didn't want the listeners to kind of fly by that without addressing the purity, I just love that word that you use, the purity and nonviolence and angelicness of our children. And then we program them and we ruin it. <laughs> you know, you know, and, Us and, adults. <laughs> well, you know, at the same time, I used to think like, I used to think that. I used to think like, well, we ruin it. But at the same time, I kind of feel, well, this is the reality that we live in. Like we're living on sure. planet Earth, which is an Earth that's, you know, it's dualistic. You know that's what I mean? True. So you kind of like, yeah, you kind of learn these things, and then you learn to let go of it. Yeah, I just you and know? that was the other thing I wanted to comment on. You said when you do your healing, and you're an acupuncturist by trade, right? So as you do yes. your healing, you said that it's you you witness people not adding something to their routine or whatever, but letting go of. Yes. And the can I ask this question? I guess the letting go piece is it usually an emotional, subconscious 
intellectual thought, what or all of the above when you say well, people I, let go? I think it can come from any place. Okay, so if we look at it from like the mind, body, and spirit, you know, usually yes. that's like the trilogy or the uh, the trinity, I should say. Yes. You know, yes. and um, and I feel like there's some, you know, there's some. I, I'm going to speak from an acupuncturist point of view that 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 practice a very um like a physical acupuncture, you know, where they look for trigger points and it's very physical, you know, they, they deal with the, the fascia and this and that. Then you can find an acupuncture that's very, very into the, um, the spiritual part of things, you know? So, mm-hmm. and that's the beautiful thing that I love about this medicine is that it's not just physical. There, there is a, you know, where they talk about where the muscles and the organs, like it's, you know, it's very real, you know, it's very real in the sense that it's very physical, it's very tangible. But then there's a very intangible part where we talk about the spirit. And there's many acupuncturists that are very, very involved in that piece. So someone may be uh, um, needling a, a specific point just because of the anatomical location where it will help release a certain muscle or something like that. And another acupuncturist may release, do the same uh, point because of, of how it will affect the spirit. And so when I see people with uh, healing, it, it it can come from any uh, any place, and sometimes and so, someone feeling uh, healing physically from sciatica might actually trigger something for them emo- emotionally or or spiritually. That, it could have been. Because, it could be something. It could be something they're holding on to. You're saying inside. Yeah, exactly. So sometimes you know you can treat something from the physical level, and it'll penetrate down into the spiritual level, and then also the vice versa. Someone can try to work with someone from that spiritual level, and then it'll manifest on the physical level. So do you, I, do, I you do you go back and forth between the physical and the spiritual when you're with your 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 clients patients? Well, um it it depends, yes, it depends on on the patient. And usually mm-hmm. I never initiate anything. You know, okay. uh, when I when I practice, I practice uh, a Japanese style of acupuncture, so there's a lot of palpation involved. So usually the body's already telling me what's going on. And also the patient might tell me something what's going on. So they're telling me, okay, I have a migraine headache. And you start to palpate and you're checking like things like their thyroid, their hormones, like, you know, def- different various things. And then it also might be something structural going on in their neck. You know, so there's many different things that you're checking for. But then at the same time, while you're doing these things, you know, a patient might come out and say, you know, this started happening ever since I started having that big fight with my mom. So uh, already, okay, even if I find like their, 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 like their neck and their shoulders are very tight and that's probably, you know, restricting blood flow and this and that, and then they're, they're causing, they're getting these headaches. But at the same time, it was probably the root of it is probably coming from what's going on with their mother. And it's very hard for us to find the root cause of the aches and pains until we find someone like you and and lie still and quiet for the moment where you can examine and kind of pinpoint and hear what we're saying and then help with the release. And and I don't think most people, that's where the silence, my quote that I started with, that, that, that ability to have that silence and stillness to be able to figure it out. That's really hard. And that's why we have people like you and massage therapists and, um, you know, all of, of the different modalities that help us find that silence and that inner answer. Let's take a quick break, uh, Paolo. And then when we come back, I, I want to drill down a little bit and talk about the, you're mentioning acupuncture as one of the healing modalities. So there's alternate paths and complementary medicine that people choose could be on an intuitive level, someone referred them, or what, what have you. I'd like some examples of what that East Asian medicine, that micro-macrocosmo that you had uh, told me about, if we could kind of drill down how do people pick those complementary um, healing modalities and, and how that micro-macro fits in. So we'll take a quick break and then we'll discuss that when we get back, okay? Okay. It's a shame when you're feeling stuck in your business and you feel like you have nowhere to turn. It's a shame when you slog through long days in your business and you don't get any return. It's a shame when you feel like you can't see the forest for the trees and your business brings you to your knees. Einstein said repeating the same actions over and over won't produce different results. So stop feeling ashamed. Your business and you deserve better. Change that shame into righteous fame. Connie Whitman can tame that shame. Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates will help you to discover your new path, and nothing will ever be the same. 
Connie's tried and true one-on-one coaching sessions will tame that shame so you and your business will not continue in vain. Call Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates today at 732-888-1420. That's 732-888-1420. Or email Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. Call Connie. Turn that shame into your game. Okay, we are back with Paolo Propato, and we, he's an acupuncturist and many other things, speaker, healer. And now we are talking about the um, East Asian medicine, that micro-macro cosmos, and how I think all the modalities com- complement each other along with our regular medicine, you know, our MDs um, in this country. Can you just share a little bit about that topic? Uh, can you repeat that last piece? Sure. Everybody, you know, like, example, I go to my regular doctor, you know, for my physical. I go to my holistic doctor for all of my blood work to make sure my vitamin D level and supplements and hormones are at a good level. So that helps with my supplements. I go to my chiropractor every month. My kids and I go every month to remain healthy. And then, of course, I go to for massages, you know, every, every six, seven weeks. So nice. all of those things I feel are measures to keep me healthy, both mind, body, spirit, and obviously right. to help keep my children healthy so we're not taking medications, et cetera. So I know that people pick different complementary medicines. Acupuncture is one of those modalities, right? Right. Can you give me some examples of the East Asian medicine and in the things you had written to me, you put the micro macro cosmos. Is that all in the same realm or am I off base? No, no, you you are. So when I look at it, one thing about um, like you were, you were mentioning all of these different modalities in which Mm -hmm. I I think um, all of them are very valid in a sense Mm -hmm. because they exist. You know, so what may be great for a, uh, a certain person may not work as well for another person. It, it just, it's all about what you um, connect with, you know. Um, so I feel, one, I think they're all great. And, they, and so what, what made me connect to acupuncture, um, besides, you know, other, other things, but that connects with what we're talking about here, is, is exactly what you said. Like, I love that, that whole idea of the uh, micro and macro uh, cosm. And mm-hmm. for myself, like I said, I was always a very, um, I guess, introspective, like always looking into myself, like, well, why am I thinking like this? Why? I was always like that, you know, for as good as it was and for as bad as it was. But something that I always loved to do was I always would look on the outside and ob- observe my surroundings um, because I grew up working on a nursery, on my father's nursery. So I was surrounded by nature uh, by myself. And the thing that I loved is I would see things and see how it related with myself. And mm. to me, I feel like the life is a big, it's a big metaphor, you know? And so like even now, like if you look at it as like, um, you know, the, the lakes and the oceans and even the little creeks, you can look at that as like your arteries and like, you know, um, your veins and, you know, the capillaries and all, all that. To me, it's, a, it's the same thing. So I look at, like, what are we doing to, um, what are we doing to these arteries, you know, of the earth, and what are we doing to the arteries in the inside, you mm. know, of, of yourself? And the way I look at it is, like, in something I love in Chinese medicine is they talk about the free flow of qi, how qi has to move uh, freely you know if not if because chi is what moves the blood if if chi didn't move blood blood would just be the stagnant plasma just sitting there so when i look at that i i really love that because it's very easy for me to understand it when i look on the outside because when i go to a river that's flowing um beautifully and freely it has a lot of life you know there's fish in there there's there it's it's life but when I see, uh, you know, like a pond or, or something that's very stagnant, it has a lot of mosquitoes. It starts to smell. No one wants to swim in it because who knows what's in there, you know, as right. far as, uh, you know, organisms and everything else. Because something that's stagnant begins to, to um, cause disease, you know. And it's the same thing with – that's why, when, you know, we talk about exercise. Well, you need to exercise for this and that reason. To me, it, it becomes very simple. You need to exercise because you need to keep everything moving. Because moving keeps life going. You need that young. Now, can I ask you a question? You said uh, chi keeps, the the chi keeps our blood 
moving is yes. I, I don't know I I don't know what she means. So I'm, is it an energy? Is that yeah, uh, we, we can say energy? I think it's such a uh, I, I feel like when you talk to people, some people will tell you different things. You know what I mean? Um, what do you think she is? Can you define that for to me? To me, I just feel I something that I love. What my teacher said one time, he said, "Chi is is a relationship." Huh. And you know, to me, I look at chi like blood being the yin, and the chi is the yang. And there's that relationship. So to me, the chi is actually the action. It is an energy, you know. And the right blood, now, the, the blood is the yin. That's the heavy. That's the the exactly. um, grounding. So so when we speak, um, like even right now, me and you, uh, we're, we're speaking right now, and there's this relationship of us being, you know, you being the interviewer, me being the interviewee. I guess is the word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's right. <laughs> that's well said. <laughs> you know, and we're spe- and we're speaking, and we're also talking about a topic. Like I can. I can hear and feel when we're speaking about these things, we get, we both get excited. Like there's something there totally. that we like. So right that's there, I, that's the chi to, to me, like the, my own personal belief is that like, that's, that's awesome. the chi. That's the energy that's keeping it moving. You yes. Know? The energy between us, the relationship between us, the relationship of the conversation. I love that. That right. I never knew what she was. That's very clear to me. I have another question for you that you said you were very introspective for the good, for the bad, you know, from when you were a child and your ability to be in the, I'm going to use the word garden. It's not, it's, it's, um, a farm, right? You said a farm? Yeah, yeah, like a nursery, yes. A nursery. So you were in the nursery and you were able to observe life really up close and personal, which is what a great foundation and experience for you. When you say you were introspective, even as a, as a young person, did you find your mom, dad, grandparent, or was it just you, something within you that um, you didn't learn it, it's just who you are? Yeah, I think, you know, um, you know, when we, one of the uh, one of the earliest meditations I was taught was to visualize when, and it's actually something I was going to say later on, but I'll bring it up now, is okay. to close your eyes and visualize a time when you were a child or when you were really, really happy and kind of just like hold that image until you feel it. Yes. And when I was taught that meditation, I remember sitting there, I couldn't remember, and it, I, I didn't have a bad um, childhood. Actually, I had a really good childhood, but I couldn't remember this moment of, um, such ecstatic happiness because I feel like no matter what I was doing, I kind of felt like I was moving, going through the motions of my childhood. And then there was this part of me that was just watching everything from the outside, like observing, you know, and, and questioning everything. And I I think it's just my, was my nature, you know, and when I was younger, I I really, really didn't like that part of myself because, um, I didn't understand it. Yeah, I didn't understand it, and I felt like who's gonna under- who understands me, you know? The only one that I, f- I felt like gave some solace was my sister at the time because I would tell my sister these things called fake feelings where I would l- look at people, even people I was very close to, and I feel like if you stare at them long enough, you feel like they're complete strangers, like I know nothing about them. And I would call them fake feelings. And my sister's like, are you having a fake feeling? I said, yeah. And then my sister would have these fake feelings too. But I feel as I got older, as scary and as weird as these things were, they really, they really helped me to look deeper into who I was. You know? And now you know, I, can, I can say, or at least I feel, um, that I feel very peaceful because you know, it doesn't mean that you're not going to come across suffering. It's just um, there's always things to make you suffer, you know? It's just how are you going to deal with it? And really, that's just... that's true. And and so you feel that being introspective—I'll use your word—being introspective helps you deal with the sadness, suffering, bad. Because bad things happen to everybody. You're absolutely right. Nobody has a perfect life. That's just not real, right? Right. You're you're telling me you're able to be introspective and put it in perspective and keep that whole yin yang in balance, or try. Well, yeah, so it's always this, uh, because the thing is, this fluctuation of yin and yang um, is what keeps us alive, right? If it was just Absolutely. a straight line, we'd be dead. You know? That's so right. So this up and down is just a part of life. It's, it's us that say this one is good and this one is bad. You know we what I'm trying people. to say? We label yeah, we're, we're, we're labeling even our experience. You know what I mean? Even when we're sick, it's us that say being sick is bad and you, you need to feel like this. But really... Um, is maybe it's just a part of that person's experience here. You know, yes. I, I know, that, yes. you know, there's people that are blind. If I went blind, I would look at it as like, oh man, now I'm down, I'm suffering. 
But then you can have someone that that's been blind for many, many years, and because of that, they can touch things and they can they can feel deeper than I can. And yes. there's a lot of richness there. So to them, it's almost like a liberation. So it's, yes. it's really on the perspective of the person. And the beautiful thing about it is that we can always change our perspective. You know, and yes. this is what I love about this is what I love about our modality of of acupuncture, because. It's not, it's not always the same prescription. You have a headache, here's the Tylenol, you know, yes. or, or whatever. It's, you're always being treated differently. You're, you and, and myself, we can go to an acupuncturist for the same exact problem, and we will be treated totally differently because it's what your body is saying. What is it that you need? I you think know? the modern medicine heals or not heals, masks the symptoms where the acupuncture, let's say, in, in our example, really drills into what is the cause root of the injury, the feeling, the pain, whatever it is. So it's not about masking. It's it's trying to heal, not right. not just eliminate the symptom. Exactly. I have another question. I'm, uh, first of all, I, I just want to share with you, I am beyond um, enthralled with how you and how you deliver this information. It's awesome. And I really hope the listeners are listening to everything you say. I feel like everything you're saying is enlightening. So I, I don't know if you've been told that before. I'm thoroughly enjoying our conversation, and I oh, hope the listeners are getting value. You're, can I ask how old you are also, uh, Paul? I'm 36. You're, th- you're very, I thought you were young. You're a very young man, and you have wisdom of, I feel like a hundred year old person. <laughs> yeah, and, that you know, and you're, you're, have you been told that before? Uh, I, I have, and I, I thank you. I just, I, I, I'm still not. Um, I don't know how to take compliments very well. Oh that, my but God. thank you. You're, you're, um, you're but, wonderful. You know, something to say with that, and to your your listeners out there, because um, I'll be honest with you, I totally forgot we, I was <laughs> we were all doing a show. I just feel like we're having a conversation. Um, yes. This, the the people out there is is. Even if you're in trouble right now or if you're feeling depressed or you're feeling anxious or you're feeling anything, um, ch- you can change your perspective by looking at it as like it's not a bad thing. You know, you're, and this is something I say a lot to um, patients is that you're, when you're feeling these things, whether it be a physical pain, a mental pain, or, you know, any type of pain, a spiritual pain, you're, you're being told something. You know, your back, your back pain is telling you something. Something's not right. And it's actually giving you the invitation to be like, okay, let me fix it. You know, and most people that I know that like, like now, like how you said you were just giving me this beautiful compliment that I think is so, it's so nice. And to me, it's weird to even take it because I really didn't do anything to deserve it is just because just growing up with these weird thoughts, you know, like these that I thought were weird, you know, um, but, but they make and, you, and, you, but they make yeah, you who you me, are and, now. And I feel, honestly, my biggest struggle in life was just to accept who I am, you know, just to be who I, who I am. And I'll be honest with you, if a few years ago you called me and we were talking about the same things, I would be very, very careful about what I said because really? I, I would be scared to reveal what I really thought because I always thought what I thought was weird. And, yeah, and, and I, I so... Just, I just I have to comment because, you know... We have kids today that struggle, right? You, you know, teenagers, it's really rough being a kid today. It's really rough being a teenager. You know, the hormonal thing is going on. The peer pressure is going on. Everything is visible because of the cell phones. Everybody has a camera all the time. They're tweeting. It's, everything is instant, instant. And it's almost like the children, teenagers, kids, they're under a microscope constantly. So I also love what you're saying because, you know, if we have parents out there who kids are just in a rough patch where it's like, I don't like who I am. Nobody likes me. I don't have any friends. All of those things that kids go through that we've gone through as kids. Um, it, I think it's more, the light is shining brighter on it now because of the technology. So I love that you're telling people it's okay to be you. It's okay not to like who you are right now, but constantly focus on, where I am today, where is it leading me versus I don't like where I am today. I want to change me. Look at what is that change before you and just follow your journey. Don't try to put the square peg in the round hole. Did I understand everything you just explained? Right. 
you know? And yeah, and yeah, I hope I, mean, I hope parents are listening to this because it's such an important message. And I think they should have their kids listen to this show again because your message for me is just so clear as an adult. Can you imagine kids who are feeling like the weirdos, you know, or they're not cool or whatever whatever the issue is. They're not athletic enough. They're not smart enough. We all have that, that bad record player that we're not good enough. I want to pause one more time, um, Paolo, and just – you know, guys, you guys out there that are listening, is this resonating with you? Has this been a thought in your life? What am I missing? Um, you know, where do I go for answers? Again, the answers really are in the silence. You probably just need somebody to help you drill in and find it. You know, Paolo, you're, you are available for telephone consults. Am, am I correct in saying that? Yes. You are. And I, I really would love for you right now, can you give them – the number that would be most advantageous for you to be able to respond to them? Is it email or is it a telephone? Um, probably the email would be best. Can you give them your email address, please? Yes, it's uh, Paolo Propato. <laughs> Figure that one out. No. Uh, I'm going to spell it. Go ahead, Paolo Propato. <laughs> yeah, P-A-O-L-O-P-R-O-P-A-T-O okay. at gmail.com. At Gmail. Okay, yeah. awesome. And, or so if not, you can um, also reach me at the, um, the uh, office email, which is bridge at, uh, bridgewellness at gmail.com. Okay. Um, you know, I just – I hope people are listening and saying, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness, he's, it's like he's in my head. Oh, my goodness, he gets it. Oh, my goodness, I'm feeling that way. I, I do need help. So I, I do hope that they reach out to you because you're inspiring, you're clear in what you're saying, and you. it's funny, too, because you started by saying the yin and the yang is all about breaking it down into simplicity, and we make it difficult. Everything you're, you're saying, Paolo, is you're breaking it into simple terms that even I can understand. Yeah, so I, I hope so. That's great. <laughs> that makes me feel good. That's a good thing. You know, if I'm getting it, I think everybody else is as well. Um, and the other thing I want to say to the listeners, if you have a story or a success story or a change that you've come through, your example of a blind man looking back and saying it's the best thing that ever happened to me because now I see things in a different way or I feel things in a different way that I never would have been mindful of. If you have a story, a compelling story, please share it with me. I really will report back on the show and, and share all the knowledge and, and wealth that you folks share with me. So email me at Connie, C-O-N-N-I-E, at Whitman Associates, that's W-H-I-T-M-A-N, ASSOC.com, um, or you go to my website, www.whitmanassoc.com. Um, again, share those stories. I just love, um, I love this conversation, Paolo. I'm, I'm having fun. I hope you are as well. Yeah, of course. Okay, now I, I, I want to shift gears a little bit. So okay. let's get into the nitty-gritty of how the organs of our body can be affected by, and again, this was something you had sent me about the seasonality, meridians, all of that, that we can be affected that way. Can you explain that to everyone? Yeah, so, so, um, so the organs in Chinese medicine, there's a yin and yang pair of the organs as well. So um, for, for instance, it would be like the heart and small intestine. The heart would be the yin and the yang would be the small intestine. And okay. with them, they're attributed to a particular element. And with a particular element, they're also attributed to a particular um, uh, season as well. So th these things are nice because it, it kind of shows you the energetics of how everything is. And to me, it feels like it simplifies things. For the perfect example would be uh, right now, we're, we just went into spring. Um, so the spring, um, the, organ would, the organs would be the liver and the gallbladder, the liver being the yin and the gallbladder being the yang version of, of, of that. So they're the pair. Uh, and the, ener the energetic or the element is the wood element. So the wood, it, what does a, a plant do? It comes out of the ground. Like it's, it's moving outward, right? So the uh, beautiful thing about the, um, the wood is it's the, it's the yang within the yin, and the yang is starting to come out. And that's why a lot of times around this, this time of year, you start to see a lot of people get, get, have an anxiety or they may get, have, be, have a short fuse. Um, they feel irritable. And that's because we, what we call there's, um, the chi is stagnated. It's having a hard time coming out of, out of that yin stage. 
You know, and, oh. you know, you know, so that's why, and that's why when you see someone that's very angry, you know, and their face gets red, we call that yes. liver, a lot of times we call that liver yang rising. It's, the, the, the chi, that yang chi is rising up to the head and it's causing that heat. Um, so, so with that, you know, we, we, um, this, this, like the sound of that wood element would be like shouting. Um, the odor would be rancid. So we have all these different things that, that, um, are attributed to um, that element, that wood element. So for and all, not also that we can also look at a person, their how how they're made physically or their personality um, or the way they smell. Even in that, there's a whole branch of acupuncture that just treats going according to the five elements. And with that, you can do a lot a, a lot with that. So if you see someone that's um, that they they they're very passive. You know, they're, they're, there's a, you know maybe there's a lot of anger inside, but they just don't let it out. It's just sitting there. That can cause a lot of a lot of um, issues, physical issues. You know, and some people because they're holding you know, everything back. Yeah, exactly. You know, sure. and you know, and uh, just quick story, and this is a very personal story. Is you know, my my aunt passed away with um, liver cancer, and Before when she when you know, and I was treating her with acupuncture uh, once a week, um, and you know, it was interesting because in the beginning. I was telling her, I'm like, you know, maybe you should go talk to a therapist or something like that. Because mm-hmm. I knew she was always just pissed off, you know. She had a lot of, I would just say she was an angry type of person. Really? Um, or quick to anger, yeah. And, but, you know, as time went on and she, then she got uh, sicker, um, right before she died, the last time I, I was with her, we spoke for like three hours. And wow. She started talking to me, telling me about, you know, when she, because I come from an Italian immigrant family. So she was telling me like how when she moved from Italy to America, within like that little bit of time, um, her younger brother in Italy passed away. Um, It was in a bad accident. um, And all these things. She started telling me all these things that really, really affected her. And I think she just felt very angry about it all, you know. and, And she never released it? She, she, yeah, to me, I feel she never released it. And she was telling me at these things. And, you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier about how we look at our issues is then she said, and still, honestly, Kati, it still makes me tear up when I'm telling you right now. So uh, yeah. if I sound weird, I sound weird. But she said to me, <laughs> she said, um, she said, you know, I, I lay here. And you come here, you do acupuncture. He's like, all my, she said, all my sister-in-laws come here. They cook for the family. They, they're cleaning the house. She's like, if I didn't have cancer, I probably wouldn't have experienced all this love. She goes, wow. I think I would rather have had the cancer. And when she was speaking to me after that, it felt like it wasn't my aunt. And it's something I always tell in my meditation class. I felt like I was talking to someone that would have been my teacher, someone like a guru. Because yeah. she spoke with such a different, like almost everything seemed different about her. And she passed away soon after that. And you know, and to me, still to this day, I say she she was healed. You know, even yeah, though she, she passed away yeah, physically, she let it go. She let it go. Like that that yeah. was maybe I don't know. I, I you know I don't know about karma. I I don't know about these things. You know, I'm not like um, theologian or anything. Yeah. All I do know is whatever was there was released, and she felt at peace. And to me, I feel what isn't that uh, isn't that healing? You know, maybe yes. we don't have her physically here with me, but for me, I felt I was very lucky because I got to experience it, where yeah. maybe other people weren't. I just happened to be there. You know, well, to- the other thing, too, is she was able to experience at the end of her life that peace, that inner peace of love. Isn't that what we all strive for, just to be loved, truly right. loved? Yeah, you're right. right? And, and, and my other belief, I'm sorry to cut you off, my other belief is no. that I feel maybe if she did that work earlier on. Sure. She would. She probably would have healed also physically, and that's just but my it, personal belief. But isn't it? Yes, you're. You're probably right. But here's the thing: we heal when we're ready to heal. Yeah, exactly. And there's no you rushing know, anything. Yeah, and and well, no, but I think you know, you have a friend and you're talking, and they're harnessing bitterness towards whatever something that happened five years ago. And you tell them, well, maybe you should go talk to someone. Maybe you should go do this. Maybe you should meditate. And you make all these recommendations, and they choose not to take any of your recommendation because they like holding on to that anger, whatever it is. I believe it's just like when you try to lose weight. Until you're ready to lose weight or you're ready to stop smoking or whatever it is, 
that's when you start exercising. That's when you go get the patch. That's when you try the meditation to release the anger. We can have the best ideas, but until people have that revelation, that light bulb, go, you know, like a cartoon character, right? We have the light bulb right. go off on top of our head. Your, 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 your aunt, I think the, the issue is that she wasn't ready to feel that until the cancer and everybody rallied around her that I guess her defenses were down or whatever and she was able to release that anger. It's sad sometimes when it's, it's so late, but at least it wasn't too late that she passed in peace, which is a wonderful thing that you experienced. Nonetheless. You know, just to add on to that is like when, you know, going through that story and seeing what she said, what made her actually, it wasn't just the, the cancer, the, like the cancer kind of put everything in her face. But what was beautiful was what brought about that, that change was the love, the unconditional love of everyone else around her. Absolutely. And that's the beautiful thing. And the beautiful yeah. thing to me is that love, there is no duality in love. Love is just love. It's so beautiful. I know I say yeah. beautiful. It's like my one major adjective that I use. You're, you're, I just want, and you're just a young man <laughs> using the word beautiful. I just, it's really endearing. I have to tell you, don't change that. That it's lovely. I won't. That you're Unless able I come to, up with something, uh, something more beautiful, something, something cooler. You got to come up with something. You're 36 and a dude. You got to come up with something cooler. Like, yeah, I got to really, come really, up with something cooler. You're, you're you know all right. that. You know, it's funny. It's like you know, growing up here, and I grew up in you know an Italian American family, and I have a uh, a plethora of male cousins, and growing up, we always called each other kind of negative things you know like yo what's up jackass like you know stuff like that i won't <laughs> curse on the thing but then when i was living when i was living in florence what something that i found was so um different it almost felt weird to me in the beginning is that your friends would say like they're like ciao amore ciao bello like they would call you yes. love they would call you beautiful and i thought that was weird like a guy telling another guy that yeah. but you know what the funny thing is is that it was really my time there that really, really started to change. Um, not, not my mindset. It's just how I felt. Yeah, everything. I felt like my heart was changing when I, my time there. And I really believe a part of it was because the, uh, the romanticism of the people that live there, the culture that lives there. Um, it's, I was it's lucky beautiful. enough. Yeah, yeah, everything to them was like beautiful. I remember my neighbor. Well, I had a friend that came out to visit me from the States, and he was staying with me. And my next-door neighbor... Um, was a very interesting guy. Like he would he would go around Europe, but he was very uh, well known for um, tarot card readings and stuff like that. Mm, mm. But this guy was just always whistling and like every you know, and it, it, it would get on my friend's nerves. He's like, nobody is that happy. Nobody's that happy. <laughs> but you know what? I lived next door to this guy for about almost five years. Yeah, four years. And that guy was always like that. Isn't that beautiful? You know, and even when he was mad, it didn't stay the whole day. It just, had, wow. you know, and that's why it was the way it was. He, he was happy. And you learned from that. Just, again, by being introspective, you were able to observe that and bring it inside. Yeah, exactly. So now, I, I, how, old, how old were you when you were in, how long were, it was that stint in Italy? I, I moved in Italy in, uh, when I was 23. And then and I came back when I was 28. 28, okay. What made you go to Italy, back to Italy? Um, I met a girl that was living here, and my cousin actually met her, and she was from Florence. And then, you know, we kind of started dating, and we became really good friends. Um, and then we were dating, and I really liked the girl. So then when I moved, I went with my cousin to Calabria, where my family's from. It's like down south. And then yes, that's where my family's from as well, Calabria. Oh, are they really? Yes. Do you know what the town? Anyway, we could talk later. About that. We could talk later if you tell me the town yeah. right now. Go ahead. Um, so then, from there, I took a trip up to Florence to see her, and I stayed with her. And I don't, you know, Connie, I really don't have. I I loved it so much. Um, and also, you know, I really liked that girl too at the time. So then I sure. the heart came wants back. what the heart wants, Paolo. What's that? The heart. Yeah, wants exactly. What the heart you know, wants. something I know when you got to learn something. That's why I mean. Uh, you, our, our spirits and our bodies are very, very smart. And like I say, your physical symptoms and your your heart, it'll tell you what you need and what you don't need. And it's it's beautiful. All you, you got to do is kind of just listen. But so anyway, I ended up moving to Florence. And really, for the first year, I stayed, I lived with her parents. And I got to give them credit. I mean, if some guy came from America and say, I'm going to stay, I, I didn't even know. Where, like, I didn't even think. I think at that point, I just, I, I felt it so much I needed to go away. Sure. You know, and, um, and actually I had like a panic attack at the airport when I was leaving. Like I was really, really scared and it was tough for me there as well because I'd never been away from my family, you know? Um, sure. 
I, I, you know, I never, uh, my cousins were all I have and all I know, you know, um, so it was very, very hard for me. How old were you when you came to the United States? No, I was born here. Oh, you were born here? Yeah, yeah. Because you do have a little accent. Yeah, because I grew up with just all Italian kids. That's what you know. What I mean? See, it was like you were born in Italy because you were just born in the little Italy. In yeah, America. it was a very, it was a very, um, you know, we, we were like a little closed community. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, sure, sure, um, absolutely. Let's take let's take one more quick break. Sure. And then when we come back, I I really want to discuss the uh, change from the point of view of surrender versus okay. a ch- uh, the change from a point of view of force. And there's definitely a difference there. And I'd love for you to explain why force doesn't work. So one last quick break, and then we'll come back and and talk about that. Okay. A speaker has little value to an audience unless you, the listener, is motivated and empowered to change. Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates is a renowned speaker and is an architect of change. Consultations, training, seminars, and speaking engagements are the venues where she affects change. Whether your responsibilities include customer service, sales, marketing, training, executive management, or ownership, and you are seeking change in your organization, then you need to hire Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Connie doesn't just fill your ears with rhetoric. She speaks to the heart and success of your business. So next time you need to hire a speaker, don't hire someone that just talks. Hire an architect of change, Connie Whitman. Just ask for Connie by calling 732-888-1420. That's 732-888-1420. Or email Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. Okay, we are back with my new good friend, Paolo Propato, who is an awesome acupuncturist, but just has a real good grip, I think, for a young man on life and and the yin and yang, which your whole description through this whole uh, show has been awesome. So let's shift gears a little bit and change from the point of view of surrender versus that force. And I'm going to ask what your aunt went through at the end of the cancer and, and finally being surrounded by love and letting that love in that I understand as surrender, but I could be wrong. So if you can describe each and why, you know, one works, one doesn't, that would be great. Yeah. Uh, so if I, if I can, I'm going to go back to like where we left it, like going with the Italy thing. Sure. Yeah. Um, sure, sure. That'll continue with, uh, for me, how I, I felt with uh, surrender. Absolutely. Go for so it. So when I, when I actually, when I moved back from Italy, it was very tough for me because, you know, like I said, I was like 28. All my cousins were married and had kids already. They had their careers already. And wow. I moved back and I felt like I was in my early 20s again. You know, I came yeah. back. I, I had nothing. You know, I had no money accumulated because I was living in Italy. Like, there's, it's not like there's a lot of work. So what did I do? I'm going to go do what everyone else is doing. So I went into business with my cousin. I had a landscaping business because that's what we all grew up doing was landscaping. Of course. Sure. So I was doing that and I was forcing it. And the funny thing is, is that I was very unsuccessful at it. You know, um, and my cousin used to say to me, you, you know, what your problem is you just don't care about it. And my thing is, is that I kept forcing and kept forcing and I wanted to show like, no, I'm 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 like everyone else, too. I can do this. You know, because I that never goes felt back, like, but that's your that's your childhood there. I'm like everybody else because you didn't like exactly. Words, You're right. Kid, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, okay, you know, and that surrender that. came that surrender came when I realized that, well, I'm not exactly like everyone else. I have I have different things that I love, and the, the, my time in Italy. You know, uh, just real quick about the, to go back so I can emphasize on my story. When I was living there, I started doing this martial arts, Koshim Gamdo. Mm-hmm. When I was there, so when I grew up, if you come here, like around where I live, you find two sets of people. One set calls me Paul, and the other one set calls me Paolo, or Paolo. And that's because when I was young, like very, very young, in school they would tease my name. So I, when I changed schools, I asked the teacher, please don't call me Paolo, call me Paul. So a lot of my, my friends from high school and grade school, they call me Paul. Even my cousins, they don't even call me Paolo, they call me Paul. And they're Italian, hmm. you know. Is, but when isn't I was, that interesting? I, I remember when I was leaving, the day I left, I, was, I stayed in Milan at the dojo, and I slept in the dojo before I left. And my teacher said to me, he said, Paolo, when you go back home, you don't go back to being Paul. You you go back and you be Paolo. Yeah. And you know, and and that was the truth. But the thing is, what did I do? I went home and I I started be, being Paul again. 
you know. Really? And then one day, I, um, at that point, I was doing meditation for a few years and this and that, and I started doing like a, a not even a class, more of a get-together uh, mm-hmm. when I came back. Um, and then I, I, that's where I, I, I wanted to help people because people were like, when I sit, my back hurts and this and that, and I was like, oh, I wish I could help them. So I said, maybe I'll take like a, a, um, a massage class, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm um, in the winter, when I'm slow. Mm-hmm. So I went to a mm-hmm. shiatsu school to sign up for classes. While I was sitting there, there was a book on acupuncture. Where, when I was in Italy, I was already doing acupuncture for, for my own self, getting it done. So when I was there, really? I was looking at the book. Kind of, it's like something said, this is what you need to do. Sure. Something, it was like something said so sharp, like this is what you need to do. So I closed the book, and I still remember. I got up, and when they called my name to sign up, I looked at the lady. I said, sorry, man, F it. I'm going to school for acupuncture. <laughs> right? And that, day, and that day, I told my cousin that I'm going to stop doing it. I'm just going to keep a few clients for myself while I go back to school. I didn't even know what I needed to do to get into school. So I had to start taking all these, uh, you know, biology, chemistry, anatomy, course, physiology, sure. and I had to start doing all these things. Meanwhile, I'm like, I remember times shaking that I don't even know if an acupuncturist can make a living. I don't know how much money they make. I don't know anything. So I started doing all these things, and then I started calling like every acupuncturist in Philadelphia, Bucks County, just to see if I can just hang out at their office just to see what they do. And <laughs> But the thing is, is that I still went along with it. And... When I graduated, I cried like a baby in front of the whole school, and and um, and even because though it was knew. funny, you know, it was funny and everything else. But the reason why it was so emotional for me because it was that place of surrender, because yeah. I could finally stop fighting to show who I am. And even though it's yeah. just like a a little, it's just a diploma, it's just a piece of paper. But for me, it was that I'm something else. And when I was yeah. in school, I started to meet all these people that had similar ideas similar thoughts similar similar energies you know and for me it was such a like it was like a i don't know it's like a life-changing event yeah you go you go from something and then you see these people where you always felt like the weird one and then you meet these people and they're exactly how you are it's such a nice feeling you know you feel like you're connecting with people on a different level and it was so i was so happy because like my classmates i love them you know i love that whole school actually like everyone i come in touch contact through that school was has been beautiful for me because of um where they are you know um with the way they look at the world and so when i cried to me it was like a release it was for me it was at that moment where paul finally truly became power yes you know and it was a moment of surrender Paolo, that's a that's a really very moving and beautiful story. And again, very succinct and clear for anyone struggling with their own career saying, I go to work every day. I I hate every minute of being there. I go through the motions of life for the most part. I wake up on Monday morning dreading it, but I have a mortgage. I have kids. I have to do this. And you, that was brilliant that you said, all right, look, I need to pay my bills, right? You can't just go up and quit and and abandon families and and your responsibilities either, right? We have to be responsible. So you kept those few clients, paid your bills, figured out what you needed in school, finally graduating, and truly, it's like you went full circle. You found where you belong, and that's why you didn't feel like a weirdo. I have to ask, did your cousins think you to be a weirdo also? Um, Or did they just love you? My cousins, they all love me. You know what I mean? Uh, We're very, very close. But um, am I the oddball out of them? Yes. Yeah, because you weren't like them, of course. Right. Well, yeah, I have different interests. Like, I'm not into soccer. I'm not into hockey. You know, I'd rather What's be... wrong with you? You're not into hockey. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But, but it's, not, it's not like they... It's not like... Um, it was never them. It was my own thing. It was yeah, me so, putting right. myself down that I'm not but like... But here's the thing, Paolo. In life, everybody says, oh, if only this would happen. If only they behave this way. They really should stop doing that. They really need to be doing this. Everybody wants to correct everybody around them instead of looking and saying, holy crap, maybe I'm not so perfect. You know, holy crap, maybe I need to change something. You know, maybe I need to look inside and, and surrender and not force, you know, that, again, that square peg in the round hole. And you mentioned um, meditation that you started when you were in, in Florence. Can you tell me that your own observations and correlations what what and how did you use meditation as a tool, or was it just 
kind of a cursory thing that you were doing and didn't really impact your whole decision-making process or whatever? Um, well, just to clarify, I started meditation before I moved to Florence. Oh, okay. Um, okay. And when I did it, I, mean, I, I won't say there was a particular modality that I was doing, like I wasn't Zen meditation or anything like that. I would just say like it was um, I don't know, more, more of a, like a shamanic type of meditation type of stuff. What does that mean? What does shamanic mean? I, 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 more very metaphysical. You know, okay. where it was um, very into um, what, you, what were you feeling? What was this? Like talking about different entities and, and this and that. And mm-hmm. for me, for me, it, it was uh, very eye-opening to think like, okay, so there's different things out in the world, even maybe things that are intangible to me physically. Mm-hmm. Um, so one was that. And, and then when I, moved to, when I moved to Florence through my martial arts, that's when I started doing more of the Zen meditation where you're just like sitting – uh, and just concentrating on your breath yes. type of uh, meditation. And then through that, I started to become very, very more, because I was always intrigued by religion. Even when I was very young, I, I would look at different religions and studying them just because just mm-hmm. I like it, you know, not mm-hmm. because I was trying to find a different faith or anything like that. I grew up Catholic. It was interesting. Yeah, it was interesting. Mm-hmm. But when, as I got older, um, as I got older, I started, like, coming back to looking at um, more a Christian type of uh I don't know, not way of life, but like looking at the, the theology and everything else. And mm-hmm, I kind mm-hmm. of fell in love with uh, the Christian contemplative um, world, I guess. Like, you know, Thomas Martin or the Desert Fathers. And um, just because the type of meditations that they were doing resonated with me because I grew up, you know, you grew up with Jesus and Mary. Like these are the figures that you kind of resonate with. Absolutely. So, so um, it always stuck with me. And like, you know, the truth is, is that if when I was younger, even though I was like reading about Buddhism or something like that, um, when I would pray, I would never pray to Buddha. To me, it's like, well, Jesus is still my boy. You know what I'm Absolutely. trying to say? Like, that's, that's what <laughs> yeah. I resonated with. So Because that's what we're taught as children. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and you know, and that's why I, like, I really don't care what religion or anyone um Whatever they believe, it's more Absolutely. like what are you resonating with? Absolutely. You know what I mean? I, I and, and that's what's important to me. And I, um, and I love that meditation. It doesn't have to be, you know, you did the breathing, which is more the Zen. The metaphysical is more of what are you feeling? So I, I, I and everybody, everybody tries some different types of meditation. You do have to find the one that works with you. Yeah, Not exactly. all meditations are the same. And I, I agree with that. So you have to find what, or what feels what feels right for you. Exactly. I, we have and, literally a minute and a half left. Uh, Paolo, do me a favor. Can you give just a few tips of perhaps how folks can work on or try to think about surrendering and stop forcing change upon themselves? Can you give some insight on that? Or yeah, a couple you, of tips? Um, one, one thing I would say is, one, don't, right now don't worry about technique. It's just feel. And okay. like, you know, I always use the, the, the symbol of a bell. You hit the bell. So the sound of the bell is born and then you hear it fade out and it dies. And then after that, there, it's still, there's stillness there. And I feel even use that, you can buy a bell and just hit it and, and stay with it and then go into that place of stillness. And then from that stillness, everything will start to come up and come up and come up. And the thing is, is don't judge it. Don't categorize it. Going back to that yin and yang thing. Don't say this is this, this is that. Just let it be. You know, and without judging anything, there's no such thing to me as a good meditation or a bad meditation. Without forcing everything, just surrender to it. Whatever comes, if you you get a back pain or you hear the, the traffic outside, anything, just let it all go together. Like you're listening to, you know, an orchestra. If you listen mm-hmm. to just like the trumpet, you'll, all you hear is the trumpet, but you miss the whole symphony. So let everything just arise and let it be together with the symphony. And when it does, everything becomes nice and clear. And when everything is nice and clear, there's no decision-making of I need to do this or I need to do that. It's just very clear of what needs to be done. You know, it's kind of like the thing where I said, okay, I need to go do acupuncture. It didn't come out of a place like I need to do something. Maybe I'll do acupuncture. It came out of a place where it just kind of bubbled up. And there was no fighting with it. All I needed to do was follow it. Yeah, and it's as simple as that. And. In the stillness, in the silence really does, it goes back to my, my quote before, it's that's where our answers are. That's where you were looking at a silly magazine waiting for your name to be called and something inside said, that's it, that's it, that's it, go for it, go for it. And you were like, see ya, 
and you, you know, you literally walked out the door. So I love that. Stop forcing, start surrendering, break things down to the simple yin yang. And it, guys, if I were you, I really think you need to listen to this whole show uh, several times because hello, I, I, I can't thank you enough. No, thank you. Deep down, this was a beautiful. You're, you're, no, my, my, my pleasure. Truly, you have taught me so much. I appreciate that. I hope folks go back and listen to the show. It was amazing. And you guys out there, if you really want to speak to Paolo, which I think everybody should, um, he works at Brig Acupuncture in Doylestown. Um, I'm going to post the website on the link right through the Web Talk Radio. Um, It'll be there. You guys will be able to find it. Uh, But you can call him at the uh, office also to make an appointment if you live out in the Doylestown area in Pennsylvania. Um, His office number is 215-348-8058. And, of course, the website is www.bridgeacupuncture.com. And that's B-R-I-D-G-E and then acupuncture, A-C-U-P-U-N-C. T-U-R-E.com. But again, I'll post that link. Um, Paulo, thank you. Just so, so what a lovely show. I can't thank you enough. I wish you good tidings and peace today. And I hope you you bring this energy that you that you just beautifully shared with, with all of us um, today. I hope you bring that to the rest of your patients that you'll be uh, healing today. Um, So again, thank you so much. Uh, Guys, I'll post everything again, the link for you. Thank you, Paulo, for taking the time out of your very busy day. Um, I hope all of you will join me weekly um, as we question, build, and discover together how to grow and challenge ourselves so we all embrace change. Let's start surrendering and stop forcing so that real change uh, comes to us and that we can find that that just peace and inner happiness like Paulo's um, aunt at the end. Um, thank you again, Paulo. You're just an amazing guest. I'm in love with you. Thank I think you so you're much. awesome. Thank, um, you. thank you all for joining me. You guys have been listening to Architect of Change with me, your host, Connie Whitman, on webtalkradio.net. I look forward to seeing you all next week. So my assignment for you all, go back, go out and start thinking about, I'm going to stop forcing change and start surrendering and listen to the show again about the yin and the young and keep things simple in life. Um, that's usually the easiest way to go. Have a fabulous week, everyone. Thank you so much. You've been listening to The Architect of Change with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Thank you for tuning in. We're glad you were here. Time may change me, but I can't.